Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Hello and welcome in to the Jeff Andreas Show. Happy Friday out there to everybody. It is April 17th. Got a good show lined up for you here today. I'm going to be chatting with Michelle Borgland, who is the chair of the Healthcare Assistant and Practical Nurse Programs at Thompson Rivers University. She has been seeing her students graduate a little bit early, and the demand for them to immediately enter the workforce has been far and away higher than normal. So that conversation will be coming up a little bit later this hour. And then to end things off, I'm going to be joined by Jagrup Brar, who is the MLA for Surrey Fleetwood. He's going to tell me a little bit more about some new supports that the province is introducing for truck drivers here in BC. But to begin today's show, well, I wanted to talk about what is going on at the Kamloops Food Bank. Now, earlier this month, the executive director said that now more than ever, they're asking for donations to help people weather the COVID-19 pandemic. She had said that food donations and supply levels are unpredictable, but the demand was expected to continue to increase. And tomorrow, well, it marks the Rotary Food Drive here in Kamloops. Joining me now on the line is the executive director of the Kamloops Food Bank, Bernadette Siraki. Bernadette, how are you doing here today? I'm good, Jeff. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for asking. So, Good. <laughs> yeah, and I just wanted to kind of start there with, uh, you know, what I was mentioning there in, in the intro. Um, you know, you had said, uh, I think it was April 5th or 6th that we had had you on last, and, and you were basically saying that now, more than ever, you know, food donations were needed. So I just kind of wanted to start by getting a, a picture from you of how things have gone here over the last couple of weeks. That remains accurate. We, we still need food donations. This is likely one of the most important food drives we've had. This is the 24th food drive. And we've gone back to the yellow bags this time around. They're biodegradable. Um, so hopefully people have received them either through the McDonald's drive through or Camelot's this week, this Wednesday. Um, we're asking people to fill those, put them as far away from your house at the edge of your driveway. Um, Rotarians will come and pick them up. And truly, we really need that product. You're right about the unpredictability of donations since the crisis hit. Um, at First, we were unable to even purchase the quantities we required from the stores um, as people were going in and sort of filling their own shelves. Uh, the stores were struggling to keep their shelves full. So I think that supply has, has evened out a little bit. So we're able to connect in with the stores and, and um, we're able to purchase again what we, what we need. But um, we de- our need is increased and we're expecting it to increase dramatically over the next six months. As every food bank across the country is. So what, what do your shelves look like right now? Is there a way you can kind of, uh, you know, paint a picture for what that looks like at this point in time? Well, you know, what's very interesting, actually, is we've noted some um, interesting patterns during this crisis. So at first, people were, you know, filling their own pantries, not donating. Um, we couldn't purchase food. And for the first time in eight years, during the first week of, of the new directives by the government for social distancing, et cetera, we ran out of perishable product, first time in eight years. So we were um, very concerned about how things were going to unfold for us. And um, the perishable side of things, so milk, eggs, those, the producers of those items, so the dairy producers in BC um, and local farmers, et cetera, they were, um, had supplied all of the restaurants that are now closing. 
So they have um, an increased um, amount of perishable product that they need to either distribute to food banks to get out into the community or it's going to waste. So at this point in time with the perishable product is quite interesting. We're getting a large volume of that. So, and we're distributing it and we're able to, which is fabulous because of our food share program, we are networked into the community to 54 agencies that make meals. Many of them are closed, but we are filling the shelves and the kitchens at the Mustard Seed, Henry Leland, Crossroads, um, the Boys and Girls Club, um, really have been able to get whatever they need when it comes to perishable product. Of course, that's going to shift again when the restaurants open and as these producers aren't making um, um, the amount of product that they are now. But um, that that has really shifted for us. So that's we're really grateful for that. What is the demand then? I mean, you mentioned that, you know, you're having some success in in helping your partners be able to uh, provide the food that is as necessary at this point in time. And and we had talked, uh, like I said earlier, I don't know if it was this month or even late last month when you and I personally last spoke, but you were basically saying that demand was continuing to go up. So what, what has happened here over the last, you know, two, three weeks? I mean, have you seen that demand continue to increase over that time? Yeah, you know what, we we are definitely busy and what we're noticing is that there's several new faces coming to our door that haven't used our food bank before. Um, The folks that have used the food bank before are definitely in higher need at the moment and we have new processes here that match what you're seeing around the city. So our clients need to stand, you know, two meters apart in line. We only have two people inside at a time, clients. Our volunteers and staff are packaging all of the products so the choice is a bit removed, but um, they're getting a perishable hamper, a non-perishable hamper, and many kind of extra items like bread and milk and eggs, like I was saying, when they come in. But um, because of the process has shifted a bit, we have a lineup literally most of the day here, every day, that goes, you know, right down the street. So it's visually very stunning to see that, but our clients, we're, we're just really grateful that we're able to remain open, and we've honored all of these directives so that we're able to do so. And our clients, I'd like the donors to know this, that our clients are incredibly grateful. Honestly, they are telling me daily, thank you for being open. We're, you know, really concerned about, um, you know, not being able to eat and have this basic need met. So they've been just so, so delighted that we're open. I mean, if we closed... For many of our people, that would be our clients. That would be like the grocery store closing for the rest of us. Mm Right. So it's a distressing thought and it's a stressful thought. And but another thing that we've noticed, too, is many times in this city, people want to volunteer. They want to help when these crises happen and they show up at our door by the hundreds, literally, like with wildfires, et cetera. You know, these prior crises. This one is a different a whole different energy because people can't come in. We can't welcome new volunteers in. So there's an increased load on our staff, on our regular volunteers, and people are supporting us, you know, with with financial donations. And we're really grateful for that because in the coming months, we're really going to need to be purchasing for what we anticipate an increased number of folks. And with that all being said, because we you had mentioned to me before how, you know, as you were going through this transition period and making those changes to how you go about serving clients based upon social distancing and that physical distancing aspect that we have to all abide by at this point in time, you know, it was sort of, uh, it wasn't 
you know, impacting you in, in the ability to deliver service, but it was changing the way you were going about doing that, right? Having fewer clients uh, in at yeah. one time. The lineup, like you had mentioned, was more out the door as opposed to people being in a waiting room and, and you know, even just your last response there talking about how volunteers being um, a little bit more scarce, I guess, in terms of just their ability yeah. to come in, right? Because a lot of people are just not necessarily comfortable going out into those kinds of environments. So just what has your process been like here? I mean, have you kind of adapted and, and are things running fairly smoothly now that you maybe have, you know, really figured out how that process works in terms of allowing and inviting clients into the building and serving them and then getting them out the door and then in, and then welcoming the next yeah. person? Is that pretty smooth now? Yeah, it really is. I mean, it, it does take a bit more time, but it's our new normal. Clients are used to it now. Um, our staff, our volunteers are used to it. <laughs> and so it really is our new normal. It's just like anybody going to, um, you know, going to any store in town, you expect you're going to stand in line outside before you get in, which two months ago would have felt absolutely unrealistic uh, out of a movie, right? Mm -hmm. And here it is. We're all expecting that. You pull into a parking lot and you see how long the lineup is and no one's really complaining. We know it has to be done and we're all feeling grateful that that store remains open. So we're all getting used to this new behavior, I think. But this, this also gives us an opportunity, I think, to reflect on um, several things. Number one being social service agencies. I think, you know, there's, there's a lot of folks who, um, prior to this crisis thought, you know, I've always worked, I've always taken care of myself, I'll never need to use a social service, I will never have to be in the food bank lineup. And that may shift a little bit mm -hmm. with this crisis, because it doesn't matter for many people if you want to work or, you know, etc. Um, that's not a possibility at the moment for many people. And um, you could find yourself here when you've never been here before. And so I would like to say a couple of things on that is number one, please, please come and see us if you need food. We are here to help you. We're here to support you. The community has given us the resources to do so. So please come here and visit us and, and don't feel anything other than um, supported. And um, so I just want to put that out there. And another thing is, is perhaps just reflect on the fact that, um, you know, many of our assumptions and beliefs are being a bit turned on their heads with this crisis. It's an opportunity to really see things in a different light, I think. Mm -hmm. I, I couldn't agree with that more. And, and with that being said, I, I will uh, wanted to highlight again the reason that I kind of wanted to, to invite you on was the fact that, you know, this food drive is taking place tomorrow. So uh, I just wanted to kind of maybe get a historical look from you very quickly, just on sort of how critical uh, this Rotary Food Drive is to the food bank in general, and then how maybe this year might compare to those past years. This is our 24th food drive. So we hold it every spring and fall. The first one was in October of 2008. And it's become an event that people know about. They know what to do. They know how to support it. They look for the yellow bag. And this time is very different. It's typically a celebration of community. We have hundreds of volunteers that come. We have a pancake breakfast and a lunch and, um, you know, real camaraderie around community with Rotarians and with our volunteers. And this time, in order to proceed, we needed to create a very strict process that honored all of the, you know, social distancing guidelines with, and the sanitizing guidelines, etc. So this time around, there's really no celebration other than a full warehouse on, the, on our end, I'm hoping. Um, but Rotarians are going out in their vehicles 
with their family. So they're, you know, people they're already living with, they're picking up yellow bags and then they're bringing them to the food bank. They're driving them here, but we have six different drop zones in parking lots um, just right along our street here. And we're going to have tables with banana boxes and two volunteers at each drop zone. So the vehicle is going to pull up to a drop zone. They're going to unload their own vehicle into banana boxes and drive away. And then our two volunteers maintaining safe distance will package it up, uh, put a lid on those boxes and put it on a pallet. So we're literally just going to be filling pallets, pallet wrapping them and putting them in um, in our warehouse and then in sea cans that we have on site. So there's going to be no sorting, no kind of camaraderie. So I'm going to miss that because that's such a special part of this. But what's going to be amazing, and we're going to capture this in photography, uh, Peter Olson's going to come and take pictures, is... Um, I'm looking forward to just the smiling and waving and saying, hey, mm-hmm. <laughs> thank you, For sure. you know, from a distance. So it's going to be exciting to see all of those cars pull up, as they always do every year, um, filled with yellow bags. And please know, Kamloops, we need the non-perishable product desperately this time around. We're anticipating, you know, um, a spike over the next several months. We don't think this is going to go away very quickly. And the, the other thing about this crisis that's different is, like with wildfires, we know for certain once end of September hits, October, those wildfires are burning themselves out. November, there's none. You know, that's that crisis is over. And this crisis doesn't just affect a group or a population living, you know, around the wildfire. It affects every single human in this community in different ways, of course. But we don't know when it's going to end or what it's going to look like or when these restrictions are going to be lifted. So we need to uh, ensure that we have the resources, both money and food, to serve a greater number of people for a longer period of time. And we don't really know what that's going to look like. Well, Bernadette, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I really do appreciate it. And uh, good uh, good to highlight, I think, just the importance of the, of the services that you do provide at the Kamloops Food Bank and how necessary they are for a lot of people. And, and hopefully tomorrow's food drive does go well because, uh, yeah, we, we all want everybody to be um, fed here in our community. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thank really appreciate you. it. Thank you, Jeff. That was the executive director of the Kamloops Food Bank, Bernadette Siraki. So just to reiterate, tomorrow again marks the 24th food drive for the local food bank. People are encouraged to gather up some non-perishable food, put it in those yellow bags. And I'm sure people have either seen, um, you know, those bags either around their home or just around the community. So you can find one. And if you have the ability to do so, put some canned goods and passes and peanut butters or whatever you can afford to give in those bags. Place them in a place where they can be safely collected or drop one off at one of those six drop-off locations. Well, let's take a quick break here and I'll be telling talking with the chair of the Healthcare Assistant and Practical Nurse Programs at TRU. So stay tuned, and I'll be back in just a little bit. You're listening to Jeff Andreas on Radio NL 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks so much for tuning in with, in with me here on Friday. Yeah, clearly it is a Friday, is it not? Uh, today is April the 17th. And of course, as we deal with the novel coronavirus and this global pandemic that we find ourselves in, it has increased the need for more staff in our healthcare field. And graduating students at Thompson River U- Rivers University are reaping the benefits. I'm joined now by the chair of the Healthcare Assistant and Practical Nurse Programs, Michelle Borglin. Michelle, thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you for asking me. 
So I just want to start by getting you to maybe paint a picture of just what things are looking like here in, in regards to these two programs, the healthcare assistant and practical nurse programs. Just how busy is it, uh, you know, on, on your end in terms of, you know, obviously these people are all getting set to graduate here or in, into April. Maybe they're graduating a bit early, and I'm sure you're taking some calls for people who are looking for some people to uh, enter the healthcare field and, and look for jobs. So just what has your experience been like so far as we deal with this in terms of helping people find work uh, as they get out of uh, Charleston Rivers University. Thank you. Um, Quite honestly, it's never been this busy for me in my career, but it's been well worth it. I'm finding that I am receiving more calls and emails from recruiters all over the province looking to have the care aides come in and immediately start um, working in the healthcare professional field. It's, it's been insane with recruitment. At least, I get at least one or two a day uh, pounding down our doors asking for our students to please, please consider them as an employer. And how students would, to, sorry. Go ahead, sorry. I was going to say, just how does that kind of compare to what you would typically see in, in a month of April? You know, as students are getting set to graduate, um, you know, you're saying one or two a day. What would it normally look like if we weren't, you know, in the midst of a pandemic? Maybe one or two a week, perhaps. Um, There's always a need for the HCAs, always, always. As our population ages, we're going to expect to see these things. But it's been absolutely insane. Staff are getting burnt out. They are burning out and they're tired. And it's a pretty intense um, situation in, in, in clinical areas and home care and hospices. Uh, and hospitals, obviously, as well, too. So it's um, it's there are high needs for carries out there and practical nurses. Yeah, and, and so with that, I mean, a lot of students, I assume, are are pretty pretty happy about the chance that they do get to ha- you know find employment pretty quickly after graduation. I I can't imagine it's always um, that difficult. I would think because these feel like you know you had mentioned like the HCAs are always kind of high in demand, but that demand clearly is is uh, a little bit more at the forefront right now. Absolutely, it's tenfold from what I've what I've ever experienced. It's um, students are excited that they have secured full time employment when they get out, but in light of um, the situation with the pandemic going on, it's they are a little bit nervous when they first go out. But um, the feedback I've received from a majority of them is they feel like that we prepared them, that our educators prepared them to deal with any situation at hand and they're just performing beautifully. Well, that, that's good to hear, and I'm glad that they're performing well. Um, any ideas, sort of, what um, percentage of, of class uh, mates, or sorry, uh, what your student body would be looking at in terms of uh, unemployment rate right now? It's obviously it's probably higher than normal, but just any idea what the percentage might look like at this point in time? I know every single graduate from our HC program in Kamloops has 100% secured employment, 100% of the class. Wow! So that did not take very long at all. Um, no, it did not. <laughs> and, and and I guess with that in mind, and the fact that you know the, there is a, seems to be a bit of an early graduation, I guess if you will, um, you know, is everyone feeling pretty confident and pretty well prepared? I know school's been kind of thrown out of whack here over the past month or so, and and you know I'm sure that has a bit of an impact on studies. But uh, you know, how how is everyone feeling from what you've talked to, from the people that you've talked to who are you know going out into the field now? Do they feel pretty well prepared to start this type of work? They do. They do, and we 
we we had a chance to cover some of the theory around it and some of the practice around it in our nursing labs. So they feel that they're able to securely put on their personal equipment and be safe. Yeah, and that's obviously a, a big issue for everybody right now when talking about PPE. And right. uh, I think that's a conversation that comes up on the daily, right? And just the concerns around that. But uh, yeah, I guess when we're talking about the fact that there is a shortage, you can't waste any of it. So I'm sure uh, being prepared and well-educated on how to actually properly use it is key at a time like this as well. Um, just... I guess, can you speak at all just to the, the success of the program here? I mean, um, you know, in a general sense, obviously, people are probably, you know, always well accepted and, and, and you know, are able to find work afterwards. But just the overall success of a program at a time like this, I'm sure, is, is pretty um, uplifting for yourself, you know, as someone who sort of is, is working at the administrative level on these types of programs to be able to see the success that is coming out of them. Oh, it's it's profound, the pride that I feel in the students and in our faculty. We've come together at a time, it's just, we've never experienced anything like this before, um, other than the wildfires um, back in 2017 when we had evacuees at the university. But this is just something you can't prepare for. You have to, it's a day-by-day, hour-by-hour operational mess at times, but we're getting through it, we're staying positive, we're keeping safe, and we are amazingly have amazing students. And uh, just out of curiosity, because I don't have uh, specific numbers, do you know how many uh, students we're talking about here that are, you said 100% of them are finding work right now, so I'm just curious if you know what the actual number is of, of students we're talking about. We graduated 27 HCA students out of Kamloops, and we will be graduating 15 out of Williams Lake for the uh, practical nurse program. Okay, so 42 total. I mean, that sounds like a pretty good um, number for, to be heading out into the field. I know we're looking for, for as many probably healthcare workers as possible, and, and 42 I think is a pretty solid number to come out of TRU at this point in time. I think so as well. Additionally, we uh, have some extra funding from the government that was received last year, and we're running another June cohort of uh, our cap is 30 students for HCA program. And what what's the interest level in that right now? Are you uh, you know is, is it pretty popular? Are people trying to get into it? Uh, we're only a couple months away, not even a full two months. We're less than two months away now from June. I would say we're about 75% full. We have more seating capacity available and lab capacity um, with our new population health building. So we're moving into a beautiful new facility, state-of-the-art lab, and um, we'll be able to uh, socially isolate. We have a plan in place to be able to do that for our students that will be coming into our June intake. And that's a a 27-week program, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's June 1st through to December 18th. Okay, so uh, when January rolls around, well, hopefully the demand for healthcare workers is a little bit less than it is right now, but if things continue, I mean, it sounds like they're going to be in for a, a pretty quick uh, turnaround from graduation to employment. So we'll, we'll yeah. see where things go, but we'll definitely want to catch up with you probably uh, at the end of the year to see if, if the, the case stays the same. Uh, anything else that you want to add, Michelle, while I have you on the line? No, I don't think so. Thank you for inquiring because it's a, it's a pretty important career for, for students and for people 
to get out there and get working. I, I, I appreciate every single healthcare worker out there at this time, putting yourself at risk and caring for patients and families and individuals and the best possible way you're, you can. And you know, I just want to say a shout out to every, all my HCA students. I'm so proud of you. <laughs> right on. Well, thank you so much for your time, Michelle. Really do appreciate thanks, it. And, and thanks for help, uh, you know, supply the, the people of BC with more uh, health care assistance. We need them and uh, we're glad to see they're coming out of TRU. So thank you. It's my honor. Thank you. Take well. care. That was the chair of the Health Care Assistant and Practical Nurse Programs at Thompson Rivers University, Michelle Borgland. So, uh, yeah, looking ahead to June, it looks like that uh, HCA course, that healthcare assistant course, is already starting to fill up. She said about 75% full. We're only about six weeks away from that program getting back up and running. Um, and if uh, this is any indication, we're looking at 100% of those HCA grads finding work early. And uh, if, if our current trends continue, I mean, we're talking a, a year to 18 months before we have a vaccine here for COVID-19. So this pandemic, of course, is going to continue to last for quite some time. And that need for HCAs and and those practical nurses is probably going to still be there come the end of this year and come early January. Of course, the demand is always there, but it's just heightened at a time like this. So there you go. There's some good information about what's going on at TRU as they try to provide more healthcare workers to our system. And, uh, and again, they try to intake more people into their programs so they can again um, put out more healthcare assistance and more practical nurses uh, come the new year. Coming up, there has been a concern in the trucking industry when it comes to the ability to do things like find food as they, of course, uh, drive their routes. And there's also a number of concerns around places to practice sanitary activities such as hand washing. Of course, when you're stuck in a truck, that's not always the easiest thing to get out and do. So the province has made some adjustments to try and help with those activities. And I'll be chatting about what some of those supports are after this. Digging deeper into the day's top stories, you're listening to Jeff Andreas on 610 AM News Talk and RadioNL.com. Welcome back to the Jeff Andreas Show. Thanks for being with me here on Friday, April 17th. The government of BC is funding the installation of portable toilets at several commercial vehicle pullouts, inspection stations, and chain-up locations throughout the province. And joining me now to talk a little bit more about this initiative and why it is important for the trucking industry is the MLA for Surrey Fleetwood, Jag Group Brar. Jag Group, thank you so much for taking the time. Thanks, Jeff, for the uh, opportunity. Yeah, so, I mean, this is a, a, an initiative that I think a lot of people in the uh, trucking industry have sort of been calling for. We've heard of some of the difficulties around, you know, sanitation uh, concerns just when it comes to people driving across the country and or across the province and being stuck in their vehicles and with, you know, things being shut down, um, you know, to the extent that they are right now. There is some concerns around things like washroom facilities. So maybe just start with the importance of why this was something that the government felt was necessary. Jeff, I think it's very important that uh, the particularly commercial truck drivers have uh, access to clean washrooms at this time because uh, they're working very hard to make sure uh, that people of British Columbia have access to uh, essential services, uh, particularly goods that transport from uh, all over uh, North America. So it's very important that they have access to uh, clean washrooms. So the ministry has been working very hard, and uh, and today uh, we announced that we have actually uh, installed 20 portable washrooms at uh, different locations, particularly locations suitable to uh, commercial truck drivers where usually they stop, such as uh, 
inspection uh, stations, uh, brake checks uh, places, or chain of places. Um, in addition to that, the uh, ministry is also planning to uh, install more in coming days. At the same time, ministry uh, is uh, working hard to make sure that all rest areas, which is uh, 204 in BC, remain open uh, at this time, and uh, all the contractors uh, responsible for cleanup in those places have been asked to uh, make sure they are clean, and particularly washrooms in those rest areas are very clean, and they have all the required supplies available uh, uh, in all washrooms there. Mm -hmm. uh, at the same time, uh, good news from the private sector as well. Uh, Tim Hortons and uh, some other uh, restaurants, um, they have uh, uh, opened their locations, particularly around uh, all the highways uh, in the country and where truck drivers can go and uh, not only um, access food, but they can also access the washrooms they have, and that's a good news. So I would like to say thank you to all the truck drivers and their families uh, for working very hard at this very difficult time to make sure the people of British Columbia have access to all supplies. Yeah, and on that vein, too, I mean, you mentioned Tim Hortons, but I know uh, Huey here in Kamloops, one of the uh, trucking companies locally, um, did kind of help to kickstart this uh, this initiative for uh, meals for truck drivers, BC Pilot, where uh, a number of, yeah. uh, you know, like food trucks and things are, are being placed at card locks to be able to provide uh, nutrition, nutritious meals for, for drivers as, you know, their, their food source or uh, where they can go yeah. about buying food is sort of being limited based on what is, in fact, open. So uh, just, just what are you hearing from truck drivers? Uh, you know, as the, these uh, new initiatives roll out, I mean, uh, there must be uh, quite a bit of appreciation that, you know, these services are continuing to be provided. A lot of people are very happy with the BC Trucking Association. Uh, as you said, they, they're running this pilot project uh, to make sure that uh, the uh, truck drivers have access to food. So they're delivering food at different locations, commercial sites. Uh, where usually truck drivers stop, so their volunteers are working very hard day and night to provide that. I really appreciate the initiative by uh, by the BC Trucking Association, and there are many other uh, you know nonprofits and groups who are also doing the same uh, in different areas. In Lower Mainland, I have I I know there are some temples uh, delivering food to truck drivers at different places. So uh, you know it's a good thing that community coming together because we are all in this together. Uh, we really appreciate uh, the BC Trucking Association and other organization, uh, you know, helping truck drivers who are helping us. Uh, have you been hearing, you know, prior to the additions of these, you know, portable toilets that are being set up, um, you know, have you heard of a lot of issues from, from truck drivers when it comes to the availability of some of these services? Like, you know, I know you mentioned all the rest stops were trying to stay open, but has there been any sort of gaps for them up to this point? Yes, uh, we did hear, Jeff, uh, quite a bit uh, in the lower mainland, particularly from the trucking industry, on radio program, different radio programs, and also they made contact with us, uh, you know, directly, um, particularly when all the restaurants were shut down. Because uh, in a normal time, uh, I don't think this will be the need, because uh, there are a lot of restaurants in the, in the province or in the country where people can go and access food and, and uh, washrooms. But uh, once the washroom, once the washroom access in all the restaurants were 
was not available anymore. This was certainly the issue, and there were, of course, uh, you know, uh, uh, a demand for this one, uh, a big, actually, uh, demand in the lower mainland, I heard from the truck drivers on radio programs, and uh, also calls to us as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So uh, glad to see that the steps are being taken here to, to support our trucking industry. It's very critical. And, and maybe I'll just get you out of here on this, job Group, but uh, just in terms of the importance of the trucking industry to not only our economy, but just helping us to get through this. I mean, can you just maybe speak to how necessary of a service our truck drivers provide when it comes to delivering <clears throat> goods and, and not only just the stuff that we use on an everyday basis, but of course, uh, as we're talking about the uh, you know medical crisis that we're in right now, the yeah, need right. to deliver supplies. Well, I think that it's very important for us to understand that uh, to keep the system going, and particularly the focus right now is the healthcare system. And to keep the healthcare system, we need a lot of other stuff to uh, you know keep going to make sure that everything is working and we can go through this very difficult time in a very smooth way possible. So truck drivers, uh, you know, they bring, uh, you know, almost a lot of stuff we eat every day and that uh, is transported by truck drivers. Uh, and majority of the uh, food products come from California, for example. Uh, so they go there and bring, it, bring this back. And also in addition to that, at this point in time, much needed medical supplies, whether it's uh, PPEs, uh, you know, personal protective equipments, or other supplies which we need uh, to deal with COVID-19, those are also uh, uh, delivered by the truck drivers uh, to the hospitals or other, uh, you know, places wherever uh, we need them. So it's a very, very important role they play uh, at this point in time to make sure uh, not only the system keeps going, but the people are, um, you know, uh, you know, people can run their lives in a very normal way during this very difficult time we have. We have seen in other places, uh, you know, whether it's uh, in, uh, you know, Italy or other places where, uh, you know, things uh, went from normal to complete uh, disorganized situations. So we here, uh, things are, you know, seems to be pretty good in, uh, you know, uh, everywhere in the province of British Columbia. And uh, in that uh, situation, truck drivers are playing very key role to make sure that uh, we can go through this in a very smooth way. Yeah, and we definitely want to thank them for continuing to, to work as hard as they do. Thank you so much for your time, Jack Group. I really do appreciate it. Thanks, Jeff, and thanks once again to the trucking industry for their very important work at this time. That was Jag Group Brar, MLA for Surrey Fleetwood, just talking about some of those new supports that the government is putting in place to help support our truck drivers as they do make deliveries. And I just wanted to also give a shout out here to the owner of Munden Ventures here in Kamloops. It is a Kamloops trucking company. Greg Munden was on my show here earlier this month, and we talked about that initiative to get more food trucks out there and available to truck drivers. And we talked about it there briefly, Jag Group and I. And I just wanted to uh, highlight Greg that uh, you know he was a big proponent in helping to get that off the ground. So uh, hats off to everyone who. Is helping in this crisis and particularly those here in Kamloops because uh, you know that that's where we are right now on that note it's about time for me to wrap things up today I want to thank all my guests for joining me and of course a big thank you to all of you for listening and remember whether you join me for a short while or a long while just remember that I enjoyed our time while it lasted have yourself a great weekend I'll be back here on Monday at noon